Hey friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is, of course, Nick Zelt, and this is the place where we spoon-fed you the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We just want to keep everybody up on the literature, so come, come on and listen. So let's take a quick look ahead at everything that we're going to be covering. I like to do the pre-recap and then a post-recap at the end. Now, here we go. We haven't given up on ramped positioning just yet. Let's talk about video laryngoscopy. Second, Tylenol, but in your veins. How does that affect your use of opioids? Third, the Canadian syncope risk score works well on more than just Canadians, eh? Fourth, antibiotics aren't just clouds and rainbows. They do harm as well. We've got to keep that in mind. And then fifth, we treat way too many viral illnesses that self-resolved. Acute hepatitis media is a big culprit. How can we do better? So if you're hearing this right now, then you are not a Journal Feed subscriber and so will not be getting the full version of the podcast, only receiving a portion of the past week summaries and thus a shorter podcast. Maybe you'd like that. I'm not sure about that, actually. So don't worry. I'm going to pick my favorites. But if you would like to get full access to the podcast and the blog, then you can become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And it does cost some money, but if you have any problems with money, then let us know and we should be able to help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by the sincere Sam Parnell, Jonathan Brewer, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump right over to the second article. Now the second article. Intravenous acetaminophen does not reduce morphine use for pain relief in emergency department patients, a multi-center randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial out of the Journal of Academic Emergency Medicine. IV acetaminophen. Where I work, we don't actually have this stuff, and it's kind of talked about like this fable drug that works way better than anybody would have expected. Now, I'm not sure I really think that that would be the case, but I'm a big fan of placebo. So if there's any reason that we can give an IV medication, it's likely to work better than the PO form uh, just by placebo alone. We kind of already think that about a lot of antibiotics, but that, of course, isn't necessarily true. There's nothing special about IV administration of a drug as long as you're still getting good bioavailability. But let's get back to acetaminophen. It's been used with ibuprofen and in that case shown to decrease opioid use but that was probably mostly driven by ibuprofen. There's also some evidence that when you're giving an opioid, adding acetaminophen doesn't seem to add anything. All the same, let's try it out again, because we'd all really like IV acetaminophen to be a miracle drug. This was a double-blinded RCT of adult patients split one-to-one to to receive morphine at 0.1 milligrams per kg with either one gram of IV acetaminophen or just a placebo. Additional morphine was given every 15 minutes until pain control was achieved. Now, this is all well and good, but they didn't really pick the right patients or not the patients that I necessarily would have wanted to see. They only enrolled patients who were reporting at least 8 out of 10 pain, which I wouldn't expect acetaminophen to touch regardless. All the patients also had all kinds of different pains and were not subgrouped by the cause of the pain. Lastly, the weight-based dosing of morphine, while it's kind of nice, it's not that commonly actually used in the emergency department. A lot of emergency physicians just give a fixed dose, like, you know, 4 milligrams. Alright, oops, I usually point out the bad things after I give the results, so let's get to the results. How much morphine was given after the initial dose was the primary outcome, and they essentially found no difference from giving acetaminophen compared with placebo. All the outcomes were the same. How much morphine they gave, the total morphine, time to pain relief, adverse events, all of it, the same. 
in a spoonful. This is another negative trial for IV acetaminophen. We'd love to find a place for it in our analgesic cocktail, but so far, not that much luck. IV acetaminophen was not seen to decrease morphine use in this RCT. Then jump over to the fourth article. Association of Adverse Events with Antibiotic Treatment for Urinary Tract Infection out of the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases. Honestly, I pride myself on being pretty stingy with antibiotics for upper respiratory tract infection type things, but I'd say I'm pretty liberal with antibiotics when it comes to UTIs and females. Luckily, in the emergency department, it's easy to test for them, and so you can get a definite answer and then treat or not treat. I'll screen for something worse, of course, but if I was in a walk-in family medicine clinic or something like that, and a lady came in and said, hey doc, I've got a UTI, it feels just like my last UTI, I mean, you're getting antibiotics from me, no question. First-line treatments for UTIs are things like trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, or nitrofurantoin. How do these compare in terms of adverse events? And then what if we give something that's not first-line? This study was done from data from market database of the entire U.S. with almost 1.2 million non-pregnant women aged 13 to 44 with uncomplicated UTIs treated with antibiotics. The overall risk of an adverse event was higher with trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, compared with nitrofurantoin by 20 to 160%. That includes adverse events like hypersensitivity reactions, acute renal failure, rash, abdominal pain, and nausea vomiting. When a different not-first-line agent was used, then again, more adverse events were recorded when compared with nitrofurantoin. That includes things that are symptoms of disruption of the gut microbiome. So it seems like this massive study favored nitrofurantoin as the first-line, first-line drug for UTIs to minimize adverse events. But you should always keep in mind that when you're giving nitrofurantoin, it's only suitable for uncomplicated UTIs, not pyelonephritis, because it is quite bad tissue penetration. In a spoonful, here we have a very large study looking at the rates of adverse events after antibiotic treatments for UTIs, and nitrofurantoin seems to be the safest. And that brings us to the end of the episode wrap-up. From the second article, come on, IV acetaminophen, we want you to be amazing so badly, but everything mostly seems to come up negative. In this trial, IV acetaminophen versus placebo when given with weight-based doses of morphine did not change overall morphine requirements in any way. From the fourth article, often enough, I just pick one of the first-line UTI antibiotics pretty haphazardly. But if nitrofurantoin is going to be the one with the lowest rates of adverse events, then I'm going to start picking that one. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, and that's the same place that you'll find the blog and the newsletter. If you're feeling a little bit of FOMO, you think you're missing out, you'd like to hear 250% more podcast, then come over and join us in the members feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spoon feeding, and so we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.